Welcome, everyone, back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And Tracy, I feel like we are just repeating ourselves now because this is the third time we've attempted to start this podcast today. How are you? <laughs> I am good, Dave. That's we great. attempted this three times. Where was I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't present. I was uh, overcome with rage. Oh, I'm God. feeling your presence right now, though. I'm feeling a wave in the time continuum. Are you closer to me? I am. I am. You can feel the magnetic pole of my voice here in the great golden state of California. Yes. Yes. How, how I, are you doing? Uh, Having fun? Do, doing great. Having a great time. We went to Disney this week. It was great. Disneyland, you mean? Disneyland. The Got land it. Why Disney. didn't you call me? You know I'm a Disney person. We got I don't know. Passes. You know, what when I heck? when I arrive at Disneyland, my first instinct is not, hey, I should call Tracy. Well, it should be. There's something wrong in our relationship then. I know. It really should be. It really <laughs> should be. But it's not. Um, but I'll have you do this. So I'm the six and the three-year-old. How long do you think we stay? Six and three. Was it hot? It was about 91 degrees midday. Okay, good. Uh, I'll say eight hours. We stayed there for 15 hours. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so was the Peter Pan line like about an hour and 15 minutes? No, actually, it was one of the best Disneyland days of all time. Um, really? I don't think we stayed in a line that was longer than 30. Um, and we were able to, you know, kind of finagle the pa- fast pass all around the area. We went to the oh, new- yeah. The new Star Wars ride. Um, yeah, what'd you it, think? I went on it a couple months ago. It was fine. It was, yeah. you know, it was Star Tours like a video game. That's fine. Yeah. Looking forward, there's a new ride they're opening like in January. Yeah. Yeah, and that one will be good too. But um, no, it was great. Um, we got on Space Mountain four times. So that was cool. Did you buy a like $500 lightsaber? No, I thought about it though. I, I drank a sip of blue milk and wanted to vomit. So wow, that's about all how I needed to. bad is that blue milk? How bad? I was thinking it was like kind of a shake or something. It is just almond it's, sugar. It's it's so what it is. It's like Coconut the re- sugar. It's yeah. the residue at the bottom of a milkshake. That's what it is. Ugh. It's like what's at the end when it gets slightly warm. That's no that's, that that you're making it sound good. No, it's, it's rice. So just to describe it to people, it's like rice milk with blue dye in it with like just an overabundance of sugar. Oh, uh, uh, it was I can finish anything. And I, I like threw that stuff away. That was bad. Yeah, no, it was, that was that was in peach. what movie is there blue milk? In which blue, Star Wars? Blue Milk is the original trilogy, I believe. Like what he's okay. what Luke is drinking on the farm is blue milk. Oh, God, no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why are you doing that? And honestly, from like a, an aesthetic motif standpoint, I thought it was interesting that they opted for like desert, like Middle Eastern bazaar type version of Star Wars. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. be Endor. Who cares? Yeah, if we're really going to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of, uh, yeah. I mean, are they trying to, that, I liked it. It was done well. It looks good. But damn, one ride and then everything else is trying to sell you something expensive throwaway crap yeah too. maybe maybe open that thing with two rides how about that how about that yeah. Disneyland? Yeah. anyway it was fun okay. it was fun this isn't a disney podcast though this is a football podcast basketball football and basketball ucla that's right. yeah we cover ucla 
Exactly. That's what we cover. Um, so I lost my mind a little bit Saturday night watching that football game. Um, I think most fans. I think most fans did. That was a lose your mind kind of game. Yeah. Do you remember two years ago, um, the Texas A&M comeback? And I had, you know, texted beforehand, hey, I'm probably going to watch this game with some friends. I might, you know, I might have to, like, watch it over again the next day. You know how that sort of thing goes. Yeah, I know. And, There's and some was, alcohol involved. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, was, I was tweeting through it. Um, and this went the exact same way for me, like, my reactions to the game, except I didn't have the excuse this time of being nearly blind drunk. Like... The first half of this football game, I was like, this this now truly is the worst UCLA football team I've ever seen. And then the final 20 minutes were like a direct response to that. And yeah. that was insane to watch. Yeah, it, it, it truly was an, uh, one of the most unique, crazy experiences of being a UCLA fan. I, I, when, when, the, when the fumbles kept piling up, it was almost like a really weird video game because you just, oh, really? I mean, you just, it was completely in disbelief watching all that. Yeah, it, it was like it was all evening out, like all the luck to like, like you're playing a video game against your kid brother and the algorithm inside the video game's like, no, no, we got to make this close at the end so it's more fun for you guys. Exactly, exactly. And then, yeah. and then the offense was what you would have in, you know, if it, in its perfect form, you'd say, well, that's what the offense should be and what you'd like to watch. So it was like, it was, it was just your brain blowing up all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Brain blowing up all at once. That is the, if there's an oral history of that game, that should be the title. Thank you. Your brain blowing up all at once. All at once. The Not UCLA in Washington State game. Not in pieces. <laughs> all at once <laughs> right it's it's the death star if we're bringing it back we're tying it all together exploding i bet there's a gif out there of like your head as a death star someone's head and it explodes i'm sure there is someone find that and put that on the form <laughs> um okay so this whole thing i mean obviously it was wild and crazy um and you know you can't expect UCLA's offense to score 50 points every 20 minutes. If it did, that would be kind of cool. I'd watch that. I'd watch that every day. That'd be really fun. Even uh, if there was no game, just that. Yeah, just, that. just them scoring 150 points per game. That'd be yeah. cool. Um, okay, but the, the first, you know, three games of the season gave us maybe the, 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 the bottom for UCLA's uh, offensive output. And this, you know, final 20 minutes maybe gave us the peak. Where do we think, how replicable, what, what we saw, how replicable was it? I mean, obviously not perfectly replicable, but the, the actual function of that offense. Do we think they can replicate that? I, I think what we saw, like I wrote in the story, I, I don't think there's any way you can expect the UCLA offense to execute and be as successful as it was in that last 20 minutes of that game. That's just a unique situation of a lot of things coming together a lot of things coming together for the offense but washington state's defense just everything coming you know you can't take much actually from the last quarter of a lot of games there, there are just too many factors injuries during the game fatigue uh plays working not work it just can't you can't take 
It's not that you can't get a takeaway of how an offense is going to be most of the time from usually a fourth quarter. And especially um, not this one when this game flew into junk time in the third quarter. Yeah, and if you've ever spent, if anyone has ever been on uh, the field for a game, when you're there in the first quarter, everything is so, uh, all the players are obviously not tired. Everything is done very, with precision. By the fourth quarter, it's it's just, it's like a free-for-all. It's a madhouse. I mean, they're, everyone's scrambling. The players, the sideline, everything. So, it's a different game. It'd be really cool if we could just play fourth quarters. Um, so I don't think – I think there's somewhere in between of what we can expect for UCLA's offense. And, and I hate to be a drag here, but I'm just – after what we've seen for the first three games and first three and a half games, I'm just skeptical that they – I think there's going to be – in the development of the offense, there's going to be maybe a, a step – at least a step back. So we should maybe temper our expectations uh, a bit. Um, as we've discussed, both you and I have discussed, is that offense, the one thing that, you, that was discovered about that offense is that when it went to a spread formation, it went, it didn't, it was more of a 11 look. And it ran out of that and obviously passed out of that and passed at a quicker tempo. The offense seems to be more effective, regardless of when, uh, what. Well, I mean, of course, it helped that it was later in the game. But we, you and I have noticed that even last season, that the offense did better that way. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I thought Chris did a great job breaking down how nothing really changed tactically. Like the plays themselves were not different plays. Um, so, so what things did change? Um, well, obviously given time and score and everything, they sped up the tempo, um, just eyeballing it, like literally just dividing time of possession divided by plays. Um, they went at about 21 seconds, just in the second half, not even counting just the comeback, but just in the second half, they went about 21 seconds per play. And in the first half, it was 26. That's a huge difference. Um, yeah. and I even had it because you and I can't count. I had it. At like 28 seconds and 20 and a half, something Well, like and that. you were doing you were doing from the beginning of the comeback. I was doing just the whole second half, first half. But once oh, okay. you get the comeback, it's even more stark, the difference. Right. And obviously it makes sense intuitively that's that why that happened, because time and score. But what I think we're saying is, functionally, that does change how well, it can change how well you execute. Because if you are dealing with a fatigued defense, that you're tempoing and you're getting the ball back more frequently and you're, you know, really starting to go, they're going to disrupt your execution like less, less, just generally less. So the, the, there's just simple advantages to going tempo. And yeah, there's the old saw that, well, if you go tempo and you're not very good at executing, you're just going to go three and out really fast. And yeah, that's true. If you do anything, um, that poorly and you just keep going three and out it doesn't matter how fast you're going but the benefit of tempo is that if you do start going you're going to tire out that defense a lot quicker um that washington state defense was done like by the end of the third quarter um because and i think in large part because they were going kind of fast against them suddenly um so i i i think it was a big part of it and i i think we're we're 
I, I think we're kind of ignoring it a little bit, um, just judging by the discussion on the board, just talking about execution. Well, execution is related to a lot of things. And I, I think it's probably foolish to assume everyone suddenly just got better. Um, I think there were some, there's a, there's a difference when you're kind of going fast and you can kind of do things at a simpler level where you're not trying to do these line changes where you have this four tight end formation and then you can just immediately flip switch to, you know, your, your, your 11 personnel. I mean, when you can kind of simplify, do more of the spread stuff and do it at a fast speed, that's going to help your execution. And yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I thought he had his best game even from the beginning of the game. He made three mistakes in the first half, basically. But otherwise, he was sharp in the first half, too. And then he was really sharp in the second half. But I don't think it's suddenly like, oh, everyone just got it. I think I think that's maybe just putting it a little too much on the players. Um, well, well, you could just take the last touchdown, the, the little... Uh, dump off to Dimitri Comp. They ran that earlier in the game, and it didn't work very well <laughs> because right. Washington State's players were kind of all over it with a lot of energy and aggressiveness, you know, playing up on their balls of their feet. You could just see it. And that, uh, they, were, they were done. I mean, yeah, a couple they got, of, they got couple blocked of out really easily. Really easily. It was over. So, yeah. yeah. Um, we hate to bring everyone down with this. I, I think it obviously was a step forward. I think there's a lot of things that, that the offense would be able to take away and feel good about that. They're making advances, but back to your point, the difference wasn't execution increased because of other things that changed like tempo and fatigue. And if they ran that tempo earlier in a game, imagine how fatigued the defense would be. You know, it would probably encompass the entire second half. So uh, while you can point to execution and say it was the players who made the difference, in my mind, it truly was the players making a difference between because other things tactically changed. That's my theory. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's probably my theory, too. I mean, I don't I, I obviously... Thompson Robinson was better in this game and he was better from the jump, even when they were going slow. Um, there were a couple of bad plays. Yes, but he was just, and he's made incremental improvements game after game. You know, the first game was obviously the worst. Then the second game was a little bit better. Third game, a little bit better. And then this one, a big leap forward. And, and, you know, you can maybe expect him not to hit. Well, you can expect him to be better than he was in that first game pretty consistently, I would think. Um, he just looks like he's playing with a little bit more confidence, and that's true. Um, but otherwise, I mean, the offensive line, when they were going slow, I didn't think was playing it very well. And then suddenly, you know, Washington State wasn't getting a ton of pressure once they started going fast. Um, that's, a, that's a great way to compensate for an offensive line that's not doing particularly well. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it was it, it was at least in a major part dependent on the tempo they were using in time and score. Um, and I, I think they should try to do that earlier and they should try to play just a little bit faster. I, I, so do you I, think, do you think coming out in Arizona, do you think they're going to do that? Do you think? They're no, gonna play no, faster? no, 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 no. I, I think, what I think probably the narrative on our board is the same narrative that's probably going through the coaching staff, which is 
we we finally got it. We executed better, and they're going to try to do that again to start the game against Arizona. And that's not to say that they won't be able to have some success. Washington State's defense is bad. So is Arizona's, and so are the next two opponents, uh, Oregon State and Stanford. Um, they all have bad defenses. So It's amazing that you can put that in the same breath right there. Oh, Oregon, Stanford? Oregon State and Stanford, yeah. Stanford's the worst team in the league this year. They're worse than Oregon State. They're going to lose this weekend to Oregon State. Um <laughs> they are. Yeah, hey, just straight up. Let's let's bet on that. Okay. You, you and me. Okay. Yeah. Oregon State's gonna beat them. And I I I would I would be so bold as to say it might not be close. A lunch at Blue Dog. Blue sure. Dog, right? Sounds great. We haven't been there in so long, Dave. It's been so many moons. Dang. Um, so yeah, I, there's there's a chance that they get kind of a and look, I maybe maybe the execution just will be better, and we're wrong. That's happened before. But also, I think there's a chance. When, that even Dave, if, when? <laughs> <laughs> even if it isn't super better, um, it, there might be a chance for a false positive the next three games, essentially, because the defenses are so bad that they're going against. If something is a false positive over, like, four or five games, is it real then? I don't know. Ask, ask yourself that question at the end of last season with the offense. <laughs> okay, I'll ask myself and I'll get back to you later. Yeah, please. Travel back in time. Ask yourself, hey, this UCLA offense looks really good. Is it going to be replicated at the beginning of next year? I do that all the time. Travel back yeah. in time. And ask it's yeah. a nice thing. It's a nice thing. Um, how about that defense? How about that defense? <laughs> it's not often that you um, have a perfect 20 minutes where you score 50 points and you only win a game by four. <laughs> That's just an amazing statement. Right yeah, it, you it, play it, you it. play a perfect twenty minutes, score every point available, including a two point conversion, and you win a game by four. Uh, and, and we've been discussing this in the forum. It's been a really interesting discussion too. Just are we at are are we at panic mode? Is it the you as you know the default for all coaches? And I have Carl Durrell ringing in my ear right now. We're just going to come back to it this week and we're going to get back to the grindstone, put our nose to the grindstone, get back to work, work hard, keep doing repetition, repetition, get better at what we do, get our assignments better, our tackling better, and that will make us better. And I've heard that so often and I've watched it so often fail. Um, I understand the mentality of it. It's men- it's a good mentality to have in life, but there's also kind of a good thing to have that you can step away and say, no matter how much my nose is on this grindstone, I- I'm not going to change the result. And something from a bigger perspective, from strategic or tactical change has to happen. Um, and I know the defense's performance is skewed, obviously, by Oklahoma and Washington State. You know, I think two of the best offenses in the country. So, yes, I get that. But I don't really I, think it is. San Diego State marched the ball up and down on this, on this team. Their quarterback, that offense is terrible. And that quarterback almost threw for 300 yards. It was his career high. No, this defense is bad. It doesn't matter who they're going against. That offense no matter who they are, is going to outperform by far their averages against this team. So is it a waste of time to talk about what we would like to see change tactically because we're being very pessimistic and coming to the conclusion that nothing it's not going to change tactically? I mean, 
You tell me, is it worth talking about? Well, I mean, we can certainly talk about it. I think we still have a, a slight difference of opinion because I think, honestly, what I think is they're not doing, they're, they're kind of middle grounding it right now. Um, and they need to either pick one or the other. Uh, their most success against Washington State was when they backed off and when they went three-man rush, four-man rush, and just kind of let them, you know, do the pinprick offense against them. But when they were trying to blitz, they were giving up explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. And it wasn't like those completely stopped when they went bend but no break, but they did lessen. Um, I, I think, given what we've seen out of this team and their ability to blitz, I wouldn't send any pressure. I would just say, okay, we're going to be a defense that, okay, it's going to take you five minutes to march on us. And if you have a bunch of incompletions, we might stop you. But otherwise, it's just going to be that. And that's who we are. And you know what? When we tackle you, we're going to punch you and see if we can get the ball out. <laughs> but that's it. That's all we're yeah. going to do. Um, we don't have the ability to blitz. We don't have the ability to get pressure. Maybe Keyshawn Luther South and his uh, you know, newly developed state can get a sack or two a game. And that's going to be what we do. Wow, that's- Dave, just listening to you say that just deflated my heart. I know it all. <laughs> and I agree, but that... <laughs> they're was... so bad honestly watching that watching that game and watching them consistently just blitz their inside linebackers directly into offensive linemen is just oh, okay all right yeah just don't do this anymore don't do any of that anymore because if you're just going to basically throw your guys into the waiting arms of offensive linemen that's not an effective blitz all that's doing is taking people um away from you know maybe somebody can get a finger on a ball when it's flown over their heads and and what what was really amazing if you watch that game closely is yeah i mean what they did is is they dropped their outside linebackers dropped a defensive end a couple of times and then sent their inside linebackers uh trying to find i don't even know if i can say this trying to find a gap because i don't even know if they were trying to find a gap because it does it we've always discussed this thing where you know either a tackler or a blitzer just runs right into his blocker and just holds him up. And a lot of times on defense, that is what in certain defenses, that is what a defense is supposed to do. But I've never really gotten that that's necessarily what you're supposed to do in a blitz. Um, But man, what I don't get is after a couple of times, not a couple, let's even concede after a few times that that happened, an adjustment would have been appropriate, but they were still doing it in, in the fourth quarter. So, wow. I mean, that, that's so hard to get your mind around that they kept calling that same style of pressure. It's so cool. <laughs> like if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. You got to love that kind of stick do you though? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I admire things that are bad. I, I know admire. you do, and that makes for a really weird kind of uh, uh, environment. Sometimes because when you're not being, you're, like, you're not being like, sarcastic. You're being no, like truly, like truthful, being, like, utterly futilely bad. Like, and just you commit to your principles, and they're just horrific. And you're just like, no, we're just gonna keep trying to do this. There was something like, there's something almost noble about it. You know, like Carl Durrell, I'm going to make this offense work. 
Never going to work, it's Carl. absolutely noble. 100%. Literally, literally never going to work. I'm just going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. It's going to work eventually. If we get yeah. the right mix of an entire team of redshirt seniors who've been in the system for five years, maybe this thing will work. <laughs> and, you know, this is the thing. There are other ways to send pressure. <laughs> are there? And and they and occasionally they have for a while, Tracy. I'm pretty sure the only way is to send your inside linebackers directly into their offensive guards. Yeah, you just yeah. got to reach out and hug somebody. See, and that's not even really that's not really a blitz. If you're saying a blitz is technically where you are sending more people, that's still sending a lot of times. That's still just sending four. You're just trying to surprise them by sending other guys through different from different. Uh, positions yeah so, and that's wow. been chip's defense for a long time is the zone blitz but they were just better at it yeah but i i'm i'm it's just maybe i'm coming around to your perspective it is a little stunning you you there is a sense of you like how long can they do this and think this is going that that's going to work three um, and four man rush drop seven or eight every down every damn down and this is going to be this is going to be really against Arizona because you know their number one priority is going to try to contain Khalil Tate. That's yeah. what they're going to do. So, and I know they're thinking. I don't know, but having watched this happen so many times, like in a weird loop of a nightmare, um, I'm. I would bet that they're perceiving their biggest vulnerability against that offense is to let Khalil Tate get outside of containment. Well, yeah, so, I mean, he's 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 like uh, I think he's got a third of their carries this year too. I mean, he's he's running the ball a lot in that. So offense. there is going to be a spy, and you know, in the history of UCLA spydom, they don't they aren't usually very good at it. Even no. if they have the guy dead to rights, they usually whiff on the tackle. And I don't know who that spy would be. So far this year when they've spied, it's been Chris Barnes a bit. And you'd think Carl Jones, but a true freshman undersized uh, inside linebacker against uh, uh, Khalil Tate. I, I, I don't – I know that's going to be part of the – uh, game plan, and I just see it failing massive. I would rather disrupt him in the backfield and let and let him then if he happen if he does get loose, which is a good chance that he's got some. You know, you're giving up all that land in between. But I'd rather take the chance that you're going to get a 12 yard loss than contain him for a one yard gain. Just given all of the risks involved, the oh, risk reward. A hundred percent, the opposite. I, in my mind's eye, I'm seeing these guys running after Tate in the backfield. Like, think about this linebacker core. Think about how slow it is. Like, is this the slowest linebacker core that you've seen at UCLA? Because I think it is for me. It's slow. Yeah, it's so slow. So I'm just imagining these guys running into the backfield and him just doing those like little deeks and dives and the whole thing and then there's literally nobody left on the field but what i'm saying is racing down the field what i'm saying is that's going to happen 
anyway. Yeah, but if you're doing it a little bit downfield, you've got more bodies around, like one guy racing after him in the backfield, and then another guy. I mean, he's going to juke. This those is guys the over. saddest conversation no, we've no, ever what, had. What they should do. ever in our lives, and they we've should. had some pretty deep conversations. This is the number one saddest thing we've ever talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I seriously think no matter the opponent, you rush three. At max, at max level, you rush four. And the rest of this season, you're dropping seven or eight. Every single play. Doesn't okay. matter the opponent. So, okay. So we are opposite. I'm saying sell out no. at this point. No, Just no, no, sell no. out. Throw I, a bunch of bodies on the line of scrimmage. Uh, run blitz. Just run blitz. Just try you're gonna somehow. See- so many one play touchdowns Fine. like just single play absolutely touchdown. one because what's happening is the percentage of this UCLA defense is giving up a score anyway is so frigging high <laughs> that they almost can increase the amount of times they the opposing offense converts a possession to a I score think, i think you'd be surprised no but i think you'd be surprised <laughs> if it could generate two 10-plus yards tackle for loss. Just two, which is the key but, to stopping but, a drive. That's two stops it? that they but, never would have gotten but, before. But, Tracy, can it? Can they generate two oh, plus? Absolutely. The, it's a long shot. But we, we now see what we're we, – the data we have is they can either. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what you're saying – They've done, Dave, and it's proven to fail. But they haven't. I'm, honestly, they have not. They've, they've, they've actually, in my mind, they've pressured too much. And some of those three man rushes. Oh, I'm, don't get me wrong. They're not a good bend but don't break defense either. But I think they have more likelihood of tackling guys after like eight yards or so, and at least forcing them to march down the field, than they do of ever pulling off a successful blitz. I don't, I don't necessarily agree because the blitzes we've seen have been stunts or they've been zone blitzes. Very, maybe once they've sent an extra body because they're, it's so conservative. They've never sent like six guys ever. They, if they send extra, it's one guy. And, that's, and it's usually Lokeni Tuoloa running through the interior of the line. I mean, okay, so regardless at this point, I don't think there's a tactical switch that's going to improve this defense much at all. It might improve the aesthetics of it a little bit for people who prefer, you know, actual negative plays occasionally. Oh, uh-huh. Or aesthetic could also mean slow torture of having to watch uh, Ben the Not Break just death uh, by paper cuts. But, like, hey, everyone's telling me that, um, that creating turnovers is now a skill, which is cool. So uh, oh, here just, you go again. You're going, <laughs> you're just, doing that thing. You're doing the opposite thing because you like it. It's not, just, you're not being sarcastic. So, no, so just, just drop your eight <laughs> and then just wrap guys, um, you know, four guys around a ball carrier and just punch that ball. Dave, I, I'm, hey, told, hey. I'm told you can have a defense that's just based on forcing fumbles. So why not do it? Goal, I goal read punch. your piece. I read your piece. And we talked during the game too. Given what you just said, would you please repeat? I feel like I'm like on a judiciary committee hearing right now. Would you please repeat what you said about the percentages of uh, recovering a turnover, recovering a fumble? 
So the 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 general percentage. This doesn't take into Speak account. Speak into your microphone, sir. I can't hear you. <clears throat> <clears throat> Uh, the general percentage percentage on fumbles is that you will recover them about a 50% rate. That doesn't take into account location on the field. Uh, there are certain areas where it's more likely for the defense to recover, more likely for the offense to recover, but it never strays too far from like 65-35. Um, so if it's just generally, if you see a fumble count, it should be 50-50. So what if you are saying, sir, that – UCLA's percentage of fumble recovery was an outlier in the Washington State game? Would it was. You say that it was. They recovered 100% of fumbles, including one on a strip sack, which typically a strip sack is going to more often than not end up in the defensive player's hands. Um, and then they uh, recovered four fumbles that were downfield, which there is a slight percentage likelihood in favor of the defense in that scenario, but yeah, they recovered all five available fumbles in this game, and it should have been more like three. Would you uh, say, sir, that that's antithetical to what you had just previously said five minutes ago, that you're relying on a defense that creates turnovers through just stripping the ball then? Well, yes, I was being deliberately um, obtuse <laughs> about that, May mainly, mainly to poke fun at people on our message board, because that's what I like to do. Okay, gotcha. God, that was really fun. I should do that. I should like be one of those attorneys that come in a. That was that. You really should. You really should. Uh, but I still, I, I'm, I am fairly serious that I, I think the the drop eight defense <laughs> might work the best. Not because they'll create turnovers, but because it won't involve so them giving up. I'm just picturing. I'm picturing like a, a like a committee hearing and. The witness just did what you just did. <laughs> That'd be so funny that they just proved that you were completely in conflict you, uh, with what you just said. And you said, yeah, but um, no, I still believe this. <laughs> well, I was being I was being deliberately obtuse. I know. It's good. I love it. It's great. Um, so. So. So are we done? No. Uh, yeah. So. I, I mean, I can't see the defense really having a good day against Arizona, particularly um, if we're talking about outliers. I it's it's Nolmazoni. Nolmazoni's good for a weird game every time, every you know three, four games. Wow, he's good so, for one where he's just like, you know what? I'm going to establish inside zone this entire game. That's what I'm going to so do. Wait, That's all I'm going to do. So wait. the odds that Noel Mazzoni comes up with a weird game plan are, are better than, than UCLA playing another typically a typical defensive game, mm. is what you're saying. Mm. No, no. I mean, UCLA could be very bad, but I think Arizona could always not hit its peak offense because Noel Mazzoni decides to do something weird. I think it's almost a certainty that UCLA's defense will be bad. The question is whether Arizona takes full advantage. Um, that's what I'm, I'm you gotcha. know, working okay. on in the, in the final stages of the preview is where, you know, what's the confidence level that Arizona is going to be able to operate at peak output. If they are, I think they're going to, they're going to win the game pretty easily uh, just because this defense is so bad, but it's just hard to know. Um, there've been some moments this year where they've looked really good. And there've been some moments, Texas tech, they didn't, they only scored 28 points, I think it was. Um, you are absolutely an El Segundo, aren't you? 
I am. I heard that plane. You can hear the beautiful airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, El Segundo, Uh, where the wind comes sweeping down the (laughs) plane. So how important is this game? I mean, if they beat Arizona, and then I'm not taking anything for granted, but Oregon State, the worst, and then the worst team in the Pac-12, according to Dave Woods, Stanford, Mm -hmm. Arizona State at home, Colorado at home, which are now, none of those are easy games, but comparatively to what UCLA has been through, easier games. I mean... Uh, not that if they lose their Arizona, that they that would necessarily impact the result of those games, but it would certainly be good to get to two and three, and then looking at Oregon State, Stanford, Arizona State, and Colorado. Yeah, I mean, they, you might even think they could get to five wins, right? So basically, where I was before the Washington State game was I thought they were going to go anywhere between 0-12 and 4-8 still. Um, 4-8 was the absolute max capacity that they could do. Because Washington State was a game that I was 100% not expecting, um, that's bumped up now to 5-7 being the max level. But I don't—Washington State really didn't change my outlook on this team— fundamentally, because I don't think that offensive performance is replicable and in a real way. And I think defensively, there's going to be really, it's going to be really tough for them to show a lot of improvement. Um, If they play really well against Arizona offensively again, um, then I'll be more convinced that what we saw against Washington State wasn't just a mirage. And that'll really change the outlook. And maybe then you can even start thinking about a bowl game again. Um, because if they beat Arizona and look good doing it, then you have to project them to beat Oregon State. And I, I know, throw out all of the like nine years of trauma, you have to project them to beat Stanford. Stanford is very bad this year. And then suddenly that team is four and three, which is insane to think about. Insane. That would be um, And then it's just, okay, they've got to beat two of Arizona State, Colorado, and Cal. Because um, I still think Cal, you know, they're four zero, but they're they're Cal. Um, yeah. So that's that's suddenly doable, but you need to see them perform well against Arizona. I think this is a critical game for the fan base because I think everyone got very excited after that win, um, and I think everyone is operating from a sense of, hey, maybe they figured it out. But I think that could immediately come crashing down again if they look like poo against Arizona again, like if they lose by three touchdowns and look bad doing it. Um, So I I think this is a critical game for the fan base, but I think it's also, it tells us a lot about the rest of the season. If they look really good in this game and the defense is, you know, not horrible, just bad, but just Even if they're competitive and they play a lot better and lose, I think it says something for the rest of the season. Yeah, just, if, they, if they regress, then it, it it we're back, I think, to your original scenario of four and eight at the at the best case scenario. Yeah, and so it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think, um, yeah, if they lose, basically, I think that eliminates bull contention in a real way. I think the door is slightly ajar now. I think they could get to six and six, but it's going to require winning the next three games and then two of Arizona state, Colorado and Cal. Uh, this and- is this. I think it's, I think it's all based mostly on, on literally you and me. 
Because I texted you before the Washington State game, and uh, and I'm not I'm not bragging about this at all. I was just really going contrary, and I was going off of no data of the games at all of of the matchup, just basically on how UCLA ish it would be that UCLA beat Washington State. I even I, I even put a post up, and you said, "No way, Tracy." There and which I believed more of what you were saying than what I was saying. And then in the middle of the game, after that first touchdown, I texted you and I said something like, Oh, yeah, baby, here it comes, or something like that. And you did not respond to me <laughs> because I think you could make a lot of money in Vegas just by betting on the UCLA ish element of life. That this is, and we've felt it all. We've all know that feeling. Oh, this is a game they're either going to win that you that they're. I think what was the line? Eighteen. I don't 18. know what it was. Or this is a game they're going to lose that they should win. I, I, yeah, I, and I think we're very good at at predicting that. So just based on that feeling, what would be UCLA ish for the Arizona game? Uh, the UCLA-ish thing would be to get blown out, I think. I think it would be to lose. Uh, lose fairly decisively and then come back and look fairly good against Oregon. Beat, and beat Stanford. Beat, and beat Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. That's, and then lose to Colorado. And then maybe even play Utah. <laughs> I'm just going oh, opposite no. this U- whole thing. Yeah, UCLA-ish would be... Um, okay, so you get blown out by Arizona... Um, ugly win over Oregon State. Like, ugly. Looks horrible, but it's a win. And then beat Stanford. Everyone gets really high again. Um, get crushed by ASU. Um, probably lose again to Colorado. Lose to Utah. Beat USC. And, and make- then the whole season comes down, whether you're going to get a good feeling, maybe that sixth win or even a fifth win, yeah. comes against Cal, and they lose against Cal. Yeah. That would be UCLA. That would be a very UCLA-ish season. Yeah. Like, give people a couple of peaks to be really excited about, like the Washington State game, the Stanford game, and the USC game, and then have everyone else, everything else be just poo. This is really not conducive for UCLA fans. <laughs> are, we still on a, are we still on a podcast? <laughs> I think we're still recording. I think so. Oh, God. I, told, I thought I'd text you to turn that thing off. And, I okay. know. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'd like to talk a little bit about something that people don't talk about, and and that's recruiting. (laughs) We love talking about recruiting here on the uh, broadcast. Only because, and and rightfully so, it's been put on the back burner, the back back. Like, it's not even on the burner in the kitchen. It's like in the one in the guest house behind... It's like on a hot pad behind the guest house. Here's a great question. Did eight clap ace happen this month? It did not. No offers went out. Okay. Uh, but but uh, obviously they lost the commitment from Miles Jackson. Um, it's a little... <laughs> I'm I not even he, saying I think he heard, he heard that I was going to be coming up to watch some highlights, to catch some highlights of him. He's like, I can't deal with the pressure. I'm going to decommit. Dave, he's still a UCLA recruit, and he still lives, what, eight minutes from your house? It's, I mean, impossible. it's impossible to say with any certainty. 
That's like when you go and rent a car and they ask you if you want GPS. What what the heck? I mean, doesn't everyone have Okay, anyway. So recruiting uh, a few developments. First off, they haven't lost anyone else. Hey, umpa. I was going to say if we had like uh if we had some kind of uh special effects, that would have been the time right then. Um Dave, can we get special effects on the broadcast? Uh, sure. What sound would you like? Uh, yeah, I'll leave it up to you. I no, like. No, give me, give me a sound you want, and I'll, I'll play it. Uh, the that party horn thing. I got it. I got it. Hold on. I got it. I got <laughs> it. Wow, that was good. Wait, this is on my phone. Did you, you hear it. that? Yeah, I got it. Uh. So they haven't lost anyone else. You'd think John Humphrey, four-star guy, other people after him. But I, right now, recruits are taking a, a wait-and-see at UCLA, which, I mean, we haven't seen a jumping off the bandwagon. In fact, no one's been in the portal from the team, too. So, wow, that's all a good sign. If you would have told me this might have happened before the season, I would have said I would have seen maybe some guys in the portal and a few a, couple of decommitments at least um i'm i, I mean i am not just grasping to try to find a silver lining I, I i'm just literally laying it out and i do believe this uh they are going to have to sh so let's say all the recruits are waiting on a wait and see mode ucla shows improvement they've got something to sell great um let's say it's a not quite that they get to four wins can you really sell improvement from three to nine to four and eight? Uh, that's a tough sell. So um, I think what they're going to have to do is JC recruits and grad transfer market. Uh, the JC recruits, they've been able to get some in. And like I've said before, and I just want to touch on this, a lot of the problems I think they're having in terms of depth on the offensive line was their refusal to go after JC recruits in the 2018 and 2019 classes. They had two more guys who could play. That would, that would be a significant boost to that offensive line because you're last week they played two true freshmen on the left side. Um, no matter how talented they are, that's a huge deficit. So I think they're going to go after JC guys, immediate impact. Uh, as I publish the story, they'll be able to get in more grad transfers because there is a new uh, grad transfer program in the education department. Of course, all those guys will still have to be very good students, but it makes it a lot easier for UCLA to get in grad transfers. I would bet if they sign upward of 24 to 25 guys, they are going to they're going to earmark four or five of those at least for grad transfers. I, I would bet. Um, and I can say that with the transfer portal too, that they might be very active in that. And I can say right now, I'm waiting on our boy Patrick Yu to write the story. <laughs> uh, it looks like UCLA is at least the leader for uh, a player in the transfer portal. If not, he's committed. So that sh story should be coming out 
today. This is Thursday. Uh, so that's kind of where recruiting is right now. And when it comes to quarterback recruiting, like we had been writing, they've got a commitment from Parker McQuarrie for 2020. The only other guy they were recruiting was Bryce Young. They kept recruiting him right up until he flipped to Alabama from USC. Uh, you know, they were thinking they'd still have a chance. Uh, with Jake Garcia, the 2021 quarterback, uh, verbally committed to USC, you pretty much can expect UCLA to go 100% all in on Miller Moss. If they can uh, but, beat Mighty Cal for him. If they can beat Mighty Cal for him. Um, a few things. Oh, I heard that he actually, uh, when he came to the UCLA game, he actually met Troy Aikman, which was probably a really cool thing for him. Uh, my other thing is, remember back when Noel Mazzoni was recruiting quarterbacks? And no, he, I don't. Yes, you do. Um, we all know. <laughs> among, among a lot of the problems with it, prob- probably the primary one was he would only recruit one quarterback at a time. He couldn't recruit multiple quarterbacks. That's kind of what I'm seeing from this staff, too. Like, it's only almost one guy at a time, maybe two, but most of the time, it's one guy. And I could see, I could see them putting all their eggs in Miller Moss and not really... And I, I'm not talking just evaluating other guys, actually offering four or five quarterbacks at one time and recruiting them actively and aggressively all at one time. Dave, don't programs do that? I think they do. Okay. Just wanted to confirm. No, Uh, not this one though. Offensive line recruiting. I'm, I'm, I'm stumped at this point. They've got three commitments and right now to guys that they would come in in this class. I'm taking out Isaiah Tupou because he's going on his mission. They've offered him. There literally are only four guys they've offered. They have three commitments. They probably want five guys. So you want two more, and you've only offered four. And from what I've also heard, the kid from Virginia, James Pogorelk. That's a good name to try to pronounce. That's a great name. I don't think they have much of a chance. So it's really three guys. Levi Rogers, Solotoa Moiai, <laughs> nailed it, uh, and Jose Gonzalez. We literally cannot get a hold of Jose Gonzalez. He's gone 100% dark. Uh, Moiai, we only got a hold of him because he actually came to the mainland and played at Moore Park High School. He's really difficult to get a hold of. One little bit of good news, I'm hearing that UCLA actually looks pretty good for Levi Rogers. He might hey. be down. Hey, he might. There it is. Where's your? Can I get the the air horn? Dave? You can actually hear my parents' phone ringing. Does that oh, sound? Does that that's work? Perf- that's perfect. Um, is that a landline? Yeah, it sure is. Is They're it next. gonna? Is it no. gonna be? Is it gonna call up? You're gonna hear that. That would have been cool. Yeah. That's about when my parents' internet fires up. <laughs> Uh, awesome. UCLA, Washington State, maybe ASU for Levi Rogers. So they feel like they're doing well for him. Uh, I, I would suspect when it comes to that grad transfer uh, and and JC guys, 
that's going to be heavy in when it comes to offensive linemen. It's really tough to know about JC guys because they start their season really – they're not like high school that start <laughs> end of July practically. I mean, they're only starting up. And, and JC guys, a lot of them emerge in their sophomore years too. So we'll be watching that JC uh, market out there too over the course of this season. That's kind of where it – Oh man! Well, that's not. Uh, there is that little thing of uh, linebackers. Oh, yeah, they don't have any of those. I put up without without editorializing. I just put up the projected depth chart for the twenty twenty UCLA linebacking unit, and it's you know it's it's worrisome to say the least. Not for, one. For- not one starter. Every yeah. every current starter is a graduating senior. Yes. That's not great. No. Um, is this the best linebacker core you've ever seen at UCLA? No. No. So they're going to lose every starter from a not great linebacking core. Tra- tell me, Tracy, did they have a lot of depth this year? No. So they're going to lose the top four guys from a unit that doesn't have any depth. So, Tracy, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Do do they have a lot of great big-time prospects coming in? Uh, Well, Dave, um, there are guys that have potential, but they just have to kind of... Oh, so four or five-star guys? Uh, No. No, Okay, okay. cool, cool, cool. Um, Yeah, I would think that's going to be a major emphasis when it comes to grad transfers they need an immediate infusion of playable guys at linebacker because no matter how i mean linebacker linebacking that is so key we're watching it this season we've watched it in the past um but uh, so i think that's going to be a major emphasis that they're going to go after some grad transfer and the thing is, I mean, I, I don't want to hold up grad transfer as, you know, the ultimate panacea for all of their talent and depth chart woes, because it, it's not. Most of the time, most of the time you aren't getting a guy who was really succeeding at his last place. Um, so there's that. Let's just keep it at that. Um, so that's, that's, all, that's all recruiting. Um, right. But did I say that they're holding on to some of their guys? I said that. You did. You did. You did. That's good. Yeah. 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 Great. So, Great. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Damn, man. Uh, are there going to be some people like on literally the precipice out in Malibu after they listen to this? I don't think it was that bad. Okay. Was it that bad? I, I don't know. I, I can't tell anymore. I literally <laughs> can't tell. I write some things that I think are fairly, you know, like optimistic, and then I get all these PMs saying I'm so pessimistic. Then I write something I think is pessimistic, and people say, hey, you know, why are you such a sunshine pumper? So I don't know. I have no perspective. I can't tell anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think all of my, all of my things, aside from my, um, you know, doped up, uh, season preview. Uh, I think everyone knows where I'm coming from <laughs> with most of this stuff. 
What was uh, that? That would, like, what was the name? You know, they have all those fun names for pot now. What was the name of that pot? Because oh, that was high on life. That was okay. That's what it's there, called. That's yeah, cool. there's there's a lot going on there. <laughs> oh man, that was nine and four. Remember that? Remember the remember the days of nine and four? I contributed that to that a little because we had a conversation where I said, "Hey, I can't watch a lot of practice, but I'm right in front of the defensive line, and those guys look good. They're going to be yeah. good." I and they, you. hey, you know what? What? Anything else on this team look good? <laughs> but they look good. Okay, so you're saying the defensive line looks good? I think they look good. Okay. Are they are they a good pass rushing unit? No. Do they stop the run pretty well? Yeah, they're okay. Okay. That's all cool. I got. All right. Well, I got nothing else. You got anything else? No, I'm so done. All right. Well, for Tracy. And depressed, here. but yeah. Don't be depressed. I'm gonna go, let's go to Disneyland. Come on. One let's more time. Yeah, what's another woo, thousand woo, woo, bucks? Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, well, for Trace Pearson, I'm David Woods. We're going to report online. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, guys.